Wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome and thanks for listening. Can I ask you a huge favour? Please take just 60 seconds right now to go to Bleeding Daylight's Facebook page, then share a post or two so that others hear about people that are kicking against the darkness. You'll also find links at bleedingdaylight.net. How do we overcome a hardened heart? How do we restore our connection to God? My guest today has some of those answers. Kevin Horath is an author, dynamic speaker and teacher who served as associate pastor for Hillside Bethel Tabernacle for 25 years before stepping into the role of lead pastor in January 2022. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in management and he's my guest today on Bleeding Daylight. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Your books look at different biblical characters drawing lessons for us today. But I've got to say, it takes a brave man to write a book about a character like Pharaoh, one of the villains of the Old Testament, and say, hey, that's me. How do you identify with someone like Pharaoh? That's a great question. You're right. Sometimes it is unusual to do a deep character study into the villains and stories, but in the Bible, they're there for us to learn from. Something that I've noticed recently in a lot of movies, I love to watch superhero movies, and I've noticed in some of these superhero movies that the villains, they make out to be human. At first, that made me very angry because it's like in some of these movies, it's a father who turns to a life of crime in order to do something for their children. Maybe the daughter's sick and he needs to raise money or trying to provide for their family. And so it makes you kind of have some compassion for that villain. And at first, that made me angry because I want a clear line right between evil and good. And I want to know where I stand. If it's kind of blurred, then it makes me think, well, boy, where am I in all of this? Could I go down this life of crime, this life of evil? And so as I studied Pharaoh, I began to see some qualities that I'd seen in myself. Basically, Pharaoh is the epitome of a hardened heart. Of course, there's a lot of problems with Pharaoh, but he's known for having a hard heart. I too experienced that in my own life. It was not the same story, of course, as Pharaoh, but conditions that happen to us, situations that happen to us can cause us to harden ourselves against God and his word. I was young. I was 15 at the time, and I was going through a physical diagnosis that was new to me. I learned it was going to be a lifelong condition. It's called psoriasis. It's a skin condition, and it also developed into psoriatic arthritis it manifested itself in a severe way. Some people get it and it's not too severe. They'll just have a little spot here and there. But I was at times covered 80, 90% of my body. I was on fire for God at a young age. I was born and raised in the church and I wanted to serve God. And then this happened to me and it caused me to get very angry with God, very angry. And I hardened my heart against the things of God. And it took me down a path where I didn't want to go. I did eventually get out of it. And then when I did, I said, you know, I've got to figure this out a little bit more. How can I take what happened to me and and help others? And so I started by researching the Pharaoh of the Exodus because he's such a well-known character from that perspective. But as I dove into his character, I discovered there's a lot more about him. And I developed a sermon series 
But then I turned into a book, a devotional book, to try to help people who maybe are going through a, a hardened heart that could be caused, again, by a variety of situations. It could be finances or relationships or physical or whatever. But all these things can impact us spiritually, and we got to know how to handle them. So that's how I really came up with the idea of studying that character. I really want to explore a bit more of Pharaoh as this character. But before we do that, let's explore you a little bit more because (laughs) at at the age of 15, as a teenager, that's when the world is supposedly about to, to open up to you and suddenly you have something that makes you different from the other teenagers. And that's sometimes the worst thing for us as a teenager, to be different from the crowd around us, to stick out but not in a good way. How did you start to cope with that? Not well. You're and you're exactly right. Right, fifteen. You're at the launching pad of your life, right, man. Everything's firing on all cylinders, and you're man looking to the future and got the world by the tail. I was the same way. Just a year or two prior to my diagnosis, I was at our uh, summer youth camp. I didn't literally hear an audible voice, but I felt the call of God in my life. I knew that God was going to use me. Man, I was excited. And then a year later, I get this diagnosis. At first, it was not as bad as I, uh, you know, I, I accepted it. I thought, okay, I can deal with this. But as time went on and it got worse, I got worse. I was looking at my friends. Some knew the Lord, but many in the school I went to did not. And, you know, they're living their life and things are going great for them. And I'm looking at myself thinking, wow, God, here, I was going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. And you now you're doing this to me. That's what where the hardening of the heart began. I began to really close down and shut down uh, listening to God's voice. Not only did it impact my relationship with God, it also started to impact my relationship with others because I was very self-conscious about the way I looked here in central Illinois in the United States. We have hot, humid summers, but I would wear long sleeves and long pants because I felt it was not pleasant to look at. And so I would withdraw. Again, here I was at this point where I'm supposed to be launching out and just the reverse was happening. I began to withdraw. And I thought by withdrawing that I was going to protect myself that was like circling the wagons. It was going to pull in so I can't be harmed. I can't be hurt. And I found that was not really protection. That was a prison. It took several years, almost 10 years later, before God was able to break through and really get my attention and show me that life is more than what happens to us. We are more than the sum of all these things that, that come against us. In Christ, that's where our identity needs to be. So I was able to use this condition then to really launch into ministry. It took a long time to get there. It took a lot of struggles. It took nearly dying. I was in the hospital one time in the mid-90s with what they call erythodermia. Uh, my skin was red from head to toe and started to peel off. And I was on heart monitors that we think it was even some reaction to some medicine I was on. And I didn't know if I was going to live or die. I remember that was the point when I hit rock bottom that when my daughter came up to visit me in the hospital, she was five at the time. And then she left and I was sitting there thinking, wow, if I die, what is my daughter going to think about me? What is she going to remember about her dad? It was then that I realized, you know what? My relationship with God is important, right? I've got to focus on that. 
But it goes beyond that. My relationship with God not only impacts me, it does also impact people around me. And so my family, my friends, all these people that aren't just looking to me, but but my relationship with God does impact them too. And that's when it got my attention. I realized, okay, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to live or die. But when I get through this, uh, and obviously I did, I'm here today. I promised the Lord that I was going to serve him. And I did. It was small steps at first. There were some hard conversations with God at times, but we did it and moved on. But I tell you, it resurfaced a couple of times when my daughter was diagnosed with the same condition herself. And then 12 years later after that, my son was diagnosed with it. I felt myself hardening to the things because, you know, it's one thing to mess with me, but you mess with my kids, you know, now, hey, we got to fight. When they got it, it was hard. But I remember telling my son, we were, and I, I reference this in one of my books, that when he received that diagnosis, I was in the office with him. The doctor stepped out of the room and I looked at him and I said, son, I am so sorry that you're going to have to go through this. He looked at me and said, almost nonchalantly, he said, it's okay, dad. He said, if you can handle it, I can handle it. And that's when it clicked again. That's right. My relationship with God, the way that I act, the way I react to things that happen to me, influence others as well, including my own children. And so that's uh, a little bit of how I was diagnosed with it, had this hardened heart for years, but God broke through and taught me some very valuable lessons. You mentioned that there was this hardening again when your daughter was diagnosed and then when your son is diagnosed, because we like to think, or let's say we like to pretend, that the Christian life is one where we learn a lesson, that one's done, we move on. And yet so often the reality is that we have to relearn lessons or we have to revisit them. Has that been your experience in other areas of life too? Oh, of course. You know, it happened to the children of Israel too. Remember, they're the ones who saw this contest between God and Pharaoh and saw what happened to Pharaoh when he hardened his heart. And so they saw this lesson. They they learned it. And then they're wandering in the desert. And the Bible tells us the same thing happened to them. And when you look at the reasons why, it's simply because we stop listening to God's word. When we start thinking of our own thoughts, our own plans, and trying to justify things or or calculate things on our own, instead of listening to what God is saying and doing in our lives, we start to harden to what he's doing. And, and so that can happen in any area of our life. Yeah, it could be a lesson you, we learned today, but tomorrow we might forget it because we got to live in the moment. We got to live in the now. I've caught myself very easily wanting to slide back into that hardened state. So you've got to actively pursue and engage with God. And I love it when you pursue God, it's really him pursuing you. The pursuer becomes the pursued. And it's just an amazing thing that God does for us when we find ourselves in those situations. When we talk about a character like Pharaoh, we see in the scripture this phrase that says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart against him. How do we deal with that? Do we say, well, obviously it wasn't really Pharaoh's problem. It wasn't really his issue because God was doing this to him. How do we reconcile with that? That was a hard thing for me, no pun intended, to to reconcile because that was what I was struggling in my life. God, are you doing this to me? I did something that I never recommend anybody do. I told God, I said, God, you need to give me what I deserve. Well, that's not real smart because I don't deserve God's grace and mercy. I deserve eternal separation. Trying to to figure all these things out. But when I studied Pharaoh, I noticed something. There are many, many references 
to uh, the hardening of his heart. It starts with Pharaoh hardening his own heart, and then it moves to God hardening his heart. What I see, and this is how I reconcile all of this in my mind, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wills. What that verse is saying is water has a natural tendency. It's flowing downward, right? Water flows down. We use that tendency of, of water to our advantage. I have gutters on my house, on my roof, so that when it rains, those gutters collect that water and steer that water down and away from my house so that I don't have water damage. I believe that's how God acts in our lives. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The Bible tells us that we are on a downward bent. And so if we are already going down and we're sinning against God, why can't God use that to his advantage? He can, he's God, and that's what he does. And so Pharaoh made his own choices, but God said, okay, you're, this is the way you're going, but I'm gonna steer this now in a direction where it benefits me. The Bible tells us in Romans that Pharaoh was raised for uh, that time so that God would get glory, not only in Egypt, but throughout the entire world. God used it to his advantage. Did Pharaoh have a choice? I think he did. I think he, he had a choice every single day. God knew what that choice was going to be. God had a plan. And so God used that to his advantage. And so it's, it's a theological quagmire, I think, when we get into it, if we don't really understand that God is outside of time and looking in on us. We live in the moment day by day. We don't know what's going to happen. God knows. He's got it mapped out. He's got it planned out. He knows what decisions we're going to make before we make them. And he uses that to his advantage. And so that's how I reconcile that in my mind. And when you're talking about that, I'm reminded of the story of Habakkuk, who goes to God and says, hey, God, I've, I've got a complaint to make. Your people are not doing the right thing. And God says, that's okay. I'll use the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, depending on what translation you're using. I'll use them to sort them out. And he says, but hey, look, they're worse than we are. And God says, <laughs> I'll use whatever I need to use. And so I can see a similarity there. Exactly. It's amazing when we look at these different characters, we see what's happening. We see the, the reality of life. What other things did you discover about Pharaoh as you started to, to really delve into this character? that he was a human being. He was just like you and me. Yes, he was the villain in the story. He made bad choices and bad decisions. But I think that he had an opportunity to serve God. Moses went to him and, and, and told him. And Pharaoh's response was, who is Yahweh that I would serve him? You know, it's not that Pharaoh wasn't a religious man. He was. Egypt had so many gods Pharaoh, I guess you could say, was a man of faith. He just didn't have faith in the one true God. He didn't know God. He didn't heed his, heed his voice. And so I see that in the world today. People are looking at spirituality in, in a lot of different ways, but they don't know Jesus. And when we present Jesus to them, that's offensive, and they, they will begin to shut down some people. And, and so that's what I, I saw in Pharaoh, that he's not just a character in a story. He's not just a bad guy. This was a person, a living, breathing person that I believe God loved deeply and in, intensely, but he made the wrong choices. He kept going down that path. I mean, even at points when it looked like he was asking for forgiveness, those were really just 
a ploy to get what he wanted. He was selfish and he was in it for for himself and, and his family and, and his country. He never really truly repented and it, it caused him to continue on a cycle that brought destruction. And that's what sin will do in our lives. It will bring destruction, not just to us, but people around us. We really do like to identify with the good guy in any story. And when we're at the movies, mm-hmm. we identify with the good guy. And when we're reading through scripture, we tend to do the same. How important mm-hmm. is it for us to actually say, you know what, I can't just identify with these people. I need to identify with those who found it difficult to follow the Lord. I need to identify with those who rebelled against God. Is it important for us to do that and, and learn from that? I think it is, right? That It is in the Bible for a reason, for our example. The scripture tells us that. And so if we just focus on the one side, on just the good, we can miss some very important characteristics or factors that affect our lives individually. And so when I say we study them, you know, I don't mean we lift them up on a pedestal or uh, idolize them. One of the, the key things I notice in this particular story is while I believe Moses wrote, you know, the, the books of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses knew Pharaoh's name. He had to have. He he grew up in the in the in the palace and and he knew the characters. He he knew the name. But Pharaoh is never named. God, though, is named. Now, in our translations, we see it as Lord, capital L-O-R-D, but we know that that is representative of the proper name of God, or Yahweh, or I am. Yahweh, God is named, Pharaoh is not. And I, I found that striking. I wonder why. I don't know why, but I wonder if it is also to prove a point. Look, we're not elevating Pharaoh here. We're telling a story so we can learn from it, but we don't want you to focus just on him. This story is really about God and his redemption. And so we can study these characters, don't idolize them, but study them and learn from them. You do tend to look at some very interesting Bible characters because I want to ask you now about donkeys because this is <laughs> this is an interesting topic that you've written a book about donkeys in the Bible. Yeah, that's a little unusual, isn't it? <laughs> Let me tell you how that came about. And it, it's somewhat a, a, a funny story or another lesson that I had to learn. For years, I was associate pastor, as you mentioned in my biography, here at our church. My dad was a pastor. He founded our church in 1961. He was pastor for 60 years, which is a little unusual. But he he retired, or not, not really retired, but stepped back from the lead pastor at last October. But over the last couple of years as associate, he was just grooming me and, and getting me ready to to step in. And so he would have me preach one Sunday a month. And one particular year, that Sunday was Palm Sunday. To be honest, my first reaction was, wow, why couldn't I have gotten Easter Sunday? You know, that's like the the Super Bowl of Christian holidays, right? (laughs) That I wanted the big dance, but I got Palm Sunday. That was the wrong attitude to have. And God dealt with me on that. As I was studying and preparing and thinking about it, I thought, okay, we know the story, Palm Sunday story. We've heard it. I heard it growing up all my life. Every year, we know the story of Jesus riding in on the donkey and the palm branches and people singing Hosanna. And then just a few short days later, they're crying, crucify him. And we know that story. And I thought, that's great. But is there more to the story that maybe I've missed? And so I started just really reading into it. When I was doing that, I focused on the donkey because it was prophesied in Zechariah that Jesus would ride in on a donkey. So that just opened up my mind a little bit more. Well, why? 
Why did it have to be a donkey? We often think of, well, it's because Jesus is coming meek and lowly, and this is a way to show that he's meek and lowly. And that's true, but I discovered that donkeys were actually the common mode of transportation. Prophets, priests, and kings all rode donkeys. In fact, Solomon, when he was anointed king, he rode a mule. It was, I mean, a mule is a cross between a, a horse and a donkey, but he rode David, his father's mule, in to be anointed king. And so riding a donkey was not an unusual thing. It was uh, something to be expected. As I looked at that and thought, okay, so let's look at this a little further. And I just did a word search on donkeys in scripture, and I was amazed at how many times donkeys came up. I've discovered a passage that I have to be honest, I don't, in my, I'm now almost 53 years old. I'm not sure I ever remembered reading this before. It's in Exodus 13, 13. And it says that if the Hebrews, if, if, if they had domesticated animals, when the, those animals gave birth, they had to offer those, the firstborn, as a sacrifice to God. Now, this was in reference to the Passover. Because God said the firstborn of every creature's mine. And so when that uh, donkey or when that horse or that cow is born, you have to sacrifice. But in the case of a donkey, a donkey is unclean. And so you can't sacrifice an unclean animal. So Exodus 13, 13 says, when a donkey is born, you either have to break its neck and kill it. You can't sacrifice it. You have to kill it. Or you can offer a lamb in its place. When I read that, I thought, wait a minute, this sounds very familiar. And that sounds like me. I'm unclean. <laughs> and of course, you got to think of donkeys and what they represent. And it sounds like an insult you know, today. So there's a little humor there. But it sounds like me. I'm in sin. I, I can't be offered to God. I needed a lamb to take my place. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, I remember the, the quote in John's gospel that says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus, the Lamb of God, was offered in our place. Just like the Hebrew had to make a choice, do I sacrifice a lamb so I can keep this donkey or do I have to break the neck of the donkey? He had to make a choice. God looked down on us. He looked down on me and said, okay, I've got a choice to make. Do I want to redeem Kevin that donkey of a man, or am I willing to give up the Lamb of God? And he made that decision. You know, Jesus is more precious than anything in the universe, but yet God chose to sacrifice the Lamb of God to redeem me. And so I see donkeys as representative of humanity in Scripture. On Palm Sunday, Jesus was riding a donkey. We hear about the crowds. I don't think the story is about the crowds. I think the story is about Jesus and that donkey literally carrying the word of God. That's our role. That's our mission, to carry the word of God to the world around us. And so that's how that story and that Bible study actually came in, into play, looking at Palm Sunday. And all your books, you call them the factor series, and there's the, the donkey factor or the pharaoh factor. What else is there that we could read through? What other factors have you looked at and, and are thinking of looking at? Uh, I've also looked at Elisha, and I, I call them factors because they are factors that influence our lives. So I look at these uh, sometimes obscure, minute details. I don't look to add things to stories or scriptures. I just look to find things that we might miss or overlook. And so we look at the prophet Elisha. We know of Elisha, most of us do, but probably most of us know Elijah a little more. 
And so I studied the life of Elisha and wrote, wrote a book on that. I have some other books in mind. I haven't written them yet. I've written three and adult devotionals and one children's book. But I've got some others that are in my mind. And usually they're based off of sermon series that I have preached. I'll get a topic or a thought and then I'll, I'll just kind of research it and study it and preach on it for several weeks. And then sometimes I'll, I'll take those manuscripts and, and write them into books. Just looking at obscure things in scripture that we can apply to our lives today that's there for our learning. And so I want to pull that out and then apply it. Do you find that it's more difficult to find time to write now that you've taken on the role of, of lead <laughs> pastor? Or is, is there more opportunity because you have to come up with more sermon series? <laughs> That's a good point. I have not written lately. I have been doing uh, sermons, so I, I have not started writing uh, my, my next book yet, but I do have my notes and my manuscript. I don't set out to write a book, I guess, necessarily. My f- main focus is to preach and teach and to equip our local saints. That's what I believe the role of the pastor is to do. And so that's my focus. A byproduct of that can be these books. And that's great. If God wants to use those and, and help others, I'm all for that. I'm all in. I'm living life. I'm just doing it. We get up and, you know, our, our church also has a school, a preschool. So I'm involved in that on a day-to-day basis and, and, and preaching and, and ministering to our local people. And then when I can, writing books. I also, every morning, and this helps me too, and not only my personal life, my development of uh, sermons, maybe even book writing, I get up and I read the verse of the day every morning, first thing when I get up. And I'll write uh, just impromptu, a quick devotion based upon that verse of the day. Every day. I've done that for four years every morning without fail. If I'm sick or on vacation, whatever, I still I'll get up and I'll do it. it. Might be delayed sometimes, but um, I still do it. And so what I found was that if we get into the Word of God every day, my preference is morning. You know, I don't think there's a time that is specific, but whatever works for you. But get up and do it every day because I've discovered what that does is it helps me view my day through the lens of God's Word. And then I start seeing things that I may have otherwise missed. Things in that day or maybe something from the previous day. I can read this verse and say, oh, that's God. That's what you were telling me. And so I can learn from it. And so by staying in God's word, it just keeps me in tune with uh, the spiritual things that are going on around us. Going back to our original conversation, that also keeps me from developing that hardened heart because I got to keep heeding God's word every single day. When you're preaching, you obviously have the congregation there, and there's a certain amount of feedback that you get when you're Mm. preaching. You can see it in the faces, in the movements, and the shuffling around in the seats. (laughs) But you also get it at the door on the way out as people are going Mm -hmm. and saying, thank you for that. That, That's blessed me today. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's one way of receiving feedback and knowing that your ministry is having an effect. But obviously with books, they're going all over the place. What sort of responses have you got from people who have been reading your books, who have been going through the studies or, or reading the devotionals? It's funny because I've, I've said this, that it's really easy to write a book. It's hard to sell a book. <laughs> I'm not a big name. And so I'm just kind of, I've not self-published. I'm through a, a publisher called Lucid Books. They're a partner publisher. And so getting my books out there because people generally, you know, they want to trust the author. They want to know Uh, something before they purchase it. And so it's a little more difficult getting out there. And that's one of the reasons why I did the children's book 
this is, I think, our third, maybe fourth year of that being out. It's just been uh, amazing how that children's book and then the adult devotional that goes with it has really touched hearts and lives. Just recently, I was in, in Texas where, where my sister lives, and down the road from her is a farm where a lady raises donkeys. And I said, hey, can I go and just take some photos with some of those donkeys? And so I, she said, yeah, let's go down there and, and do that. So I did that and met that person. And we developed a, a connection and she bought 50 of my books and was putting together Easter baskets and giving those out to kids in the area. So it's just, it's humbling. I'm not looking for praise or feedback, although, you know, it's it's nice to hear those things, but my measure of success is simply this, doing what God has called me to do. If I'm being obedient, then I am successful, no matter what the worldly indicators might show. Feedback's great. Uh, we need to have encouragement, but I'm not really looking for that. You know what? If someone wants to give me a rating on Amazon and all that, that sure does help our exposure a little bit more. So I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth. I just want to put it out there, be obedient, and let God do his thing. And what comes through in this conversation really is that you have a strong desire to see what God is trying to teach us, what God has put into the scripture for our own learning, for us to learn, and you're wanting to, to learn yourself, but also share those those learnings with others. And so you have that opportunity week by week and, and through your writings as well. I'm just wondering if people are wanting to find out more, if they're wanting to have a look at the books, where should they go? We have a couple of places they can go. Probably the best place is our website. It's www.thefactorbooks.com. All of our books are listed there with links to places to purchase them. So they're also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also uh, Lucid Books, which is our partner publisher. So um, several places there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram on The Factor Books. I try not to just try to sell books because, you know, I don't always want that being in people's faces. So that's why I do the daily devotionals. I post them on Instagram and Facebook. So if someone just wants to follow along for free, there's no obligation, no charge. Don't even have to have any feedback. You can go out there and just read daily. And if it blesses you, great. If you want to share it, that's great too. So uh, it's just a, an opportunity to minister. So we have lots of different ways, but those are probably the main ways, thefactorbooks.com. I will put links to the website, also to, to Facebook and, and other places that people can track you down in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net. Kevin, I've got to say, it's been a great conversation. I've really appreciated your insights into various characters in the scripture and the way that you're wanting to share that with others. Thank you so much for your time on Bleeding Daylight today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really been an honor. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.